It's Sunday night, and we're talking about prophecy, which has to do with everything in the Bible. I've said this before, that everything before the book of the Kings was pointing to the books of the Kings. And everything after the Kings is pointing back to the books of the Kings. The Kings, books of the Kings is 1 Samuel through 2 Chronicles. This is where you had... The kings of Israel ruled. Before that, you had judges. And the judges were the men who ruled. The first judge was Joshua. And then you had uh, Othniel and Ehud and Shamgar and Deborah and goes on into Gideon and, and uh, Jephthah and all the rest. One named Tola. And the list goes on. And Samuel is the last judge of Israel. And then they moved into the kings. And the first man-king, I say man-king because God was their king. The Bible says so over in Hosea, the 13th chapter. And in first, and in first Samuel, the 12th chapter. God tells them, you desired a king to be over you when God was your king. Well, if God was the king of Israel, he was the king of the Jews. And that was Jesus before he was called Jesus. Everything that Israel did during the time period that they were a kingdom under kings, well, through Second Chronicles, excuse me, Second Chronicles. And where the problem came in was in First Kings. First Kings is where Israel began to worship Baal, and the grove. And God kept telling them, if you keep going after these gods, I'm going to send four judgments. You can see those four judgments named specifically in Ezekiel the 13th cha- 14th chapter. Ezekiel 14, the Bible says these are the four judgments of God. Ezekiel 14, the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and then the beast. Well, the sword and the famine, the pestilence came all through the time because of their disobedience. The sword would be their enemies coming in and attacking them and overcoming them. The famine would be either no rain or too much rain or just God causing a famine in the land or causing locusts to come in and devour their crops. And the pestilence would go with the famine. Always famine carries with it disease. And then God says the last judgment will be you'll be carried away into captivity. And what we're looking at is the time period of their captivity, and that's called the 70 weeks of Daniel. I like what Mr. Uh, I got a book here called The 70 Weeks of Daniel, and it's by Alva McLean. And Mr. McLean made a statement in front of his book, 70 Weeks of Daniel. He says, probably no single prophetic utterance is more crucial in the fields of biblical interpretation, apologetics, or eschatology. Eschatology comes from eschatos. Eschatos, E-S-C-H-A-T-O-S. And logos, L-O-G-O-S. It means end times. Eschatos is the word end times, 
And uh, Logos is word. It's the word of the end times. That's eschatology. He said, no prophetic utterance is more important in understanding prophecy than the 70 weeks of Daniel. Now I'll get back to him in a little bit. What we're going to talk about tonight, Dee brought it up to me last week. She said, I get confused about 1260 days. 1260 days or what the Bible calls a time, times, and half times, or the, sometimes it'll say the dividing of times, dividing of times, or it will say 42 months. Now, all of these are equal. Now, we've been talking about also the word thousand in this series. Thousand, it depends on the context of Scripture, whether thousand is singular or plural. Let me see if I can make make a statement here to show singular or plural. I'll run back over here to Revelation just to show the plural and how that this is where you're going to come up with plural. Now remember, I've told you before, you always have to keep this in mind. Go to Revelation 20. <clears throat> Revelation 20. If you get this real quick, you'll do something quicker than I did. I've been studying the 70 weeks of Daniel since 1964. I mean, I've put a ton of time and a ton of energy. I've got several books on the 70 weeks. I've got Hal Honer's Chronological Aspects of the Life of Christ. Now, he's one of the more brilliant people that I've ever read after. I love his... his uh, he's an expert on uh, stars and and eclipses of the moon and when the Herod's reign before this eclipse or after that eclipse. And he'll go into a lot of that. Now, I don't necessarily agree with... His some of his teaching, he believed in Christmas. I don't believe in that. You can't throw a book away because you don't necessarily agree with the person on everything. I don't agree with Edersheim on Christmas because he did it too. But I'm not going to throw Mr. Edersheim's books away. He was a Jew. He was born in 1825, died in 1889, and he was a brilliant man and knew a lot about the culture. When you're reading, you have to learn. I've been a reader since I was very young, and it took me a long time to learn this. What you do is you exegete truth out of a, no matter what kind of book it is, I've read all kinds of biographies, and then I'd see a movie made about it, and I'd get angry because the movie was wrong and messed up. Read a lot of biographies of the old Western uh, characters. They, they weren't heroes like Billy the Kid. They were murderers. Jesse James was a killer. And... Uh, I read a lot of biographies, but I'd see a movie made, and I'd say, that's not right. What are they doing, you know? And I'd sit there and gripe and complain all through the movie. And uh, But I want to show you here, you've got to look at this, and you've got to remember something. Uh, let me write this down. You've got three articles in the English... You got the, a, and an. 
Now, an article is an adjective. But what it does, it either specifies or makes something nonspecific. You have indefinite articles in the English, and you have a definite article in the English. Definite means it's the only one in this particular situation. In the Greek, you have no indefinite articles. Forget that in the Greek. All you have is the. The only time you'll have an indefinite article is it will it will show you that in the context. And when we get to a thousand two hundred and three score days, says I put twelve hundred and sixty, a score is twenty, three score is sixty. This in this place right here, because of the context, that has to be singular a thousand years. It has to be because of the context when we get through. But over here in Revelation 20, you're going to see that this has to be plural. Must be plural. You have to have a determiner to determine whether it's singular or plural. Determiner is like the thousand years. The. A will never be there. It'll just say a thousand the fact that it's connected to 203 score days shows that this must be singular. Has to be. It can't be plural because 2260 20, days would not fit into the context. Now, one more time, we're just going to look at this in Revelation 20. I, you say, Jim, you've said this before. Oh, yes, I have. Do I think you've got it all? No. You know how long I had to think on this to be able to understand this years and years and years decades now i saw an angel come down from heaven having a key of the bottomless pit we keep saying bottomless pit is a bad translation you mean you're smarter than the translators i'm sure smarter than the catholic translators half of more catholics bottomless abusos a-b-u-s-s-o-s it's a construction of bathos. Bathos means something with great knowledge. Intellectual depth. Knowledge. I have never heard a preacher say this before. Never. I have broken the word down in the Greek and come up and understood this. When you place the alpha... First letter of the Greek alphabet. Now, I'm not placing it there. It's in the original text. Some people say, oh, you're placing it there. No, I'm not. It's in the original text. When you place the alpha, first letter of the Greek alphabet, as a negative particle, it negates the word. To negate means to stop the meaning and make an opposite meaning. So it negates, it means no knowledge. Well, the bottomless pit, that's what the Mediterranean Sea was called, according to the translators, but it wasn't a bottomless pit. It was a place of no knowledge. Nobody in the Mediterranean area, the beast world system was Babylon. Babylon is here on what we call Iraq. It was on the Euphrates River. She mothered all idolatry. And she was... Babylon, Persia, which would be Iran and all of its 
adjoining countries like Afghanistan and Pakistan and so forth. And the Roman Empire here and the Grecian Empire here all had their boundaries upon the Mediterranean Sea, and that was the beast. This is the entire, right here, the entire land of the Bible. You got this, the only thing you really need to understand when it comes to the Bible is the Mediterranean. Well, they believed all kind of monsters lived out there in the Mediterranean. They believed the whale was a leviathan, a big monster. And they believed that, that uh, and they had no knowledge of God. God did not extend his truth to anyone except that little bitty land right there called Israel. That's all. They're the only ones that had God's knowledge. Then when God pours out of his spirit on all flesh in Acts 2, then he's going to include all the Gentile flesh of the world, and they're going to have the knowledge of God. But as of the Old Testament, they had no knowledge. So that's the bottomless pit. It's the same thing as it's the area of the beast. This is the beast right here. But remember, not up here where the Huns and the Vandals and the Visigoths and the Goths and the Ostrogoths and the Saxon and the and all of these pagans are trying to attack the beast so they can overcome the beast. And that's why Constantine amalgamated all their tree gods and their sun gods and brought it into the church in Rome and called it the Christ Mass. Same reason. Now, all right. Now, where was I? I was going to give you something. All right. We're talking about Revelation 20 and verse 1. I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the place of no knowledge and great chain in his hand. Doesn't mean a literal chain. And he laid hold on the dragon. Remember, this is not, you have the old uh, British uh, mythology where they had St. George of the dragon. The dragon comes out breathing fire and St. George takes out his sword and cuts off the head of the dragon. That's not what it is. It's not a dragon like what we call it. I believe that's a Roman Catholic translation there. Where's Dracon? And it means to fascinate. To fascinate or to feel good. Now that's what the... That always reminds me of Romans 16, 17, 18. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses that are contrary to the doctrines of you have learned. And avoid these people because they that are such servant of our Lord Jesus Christ with their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches they deceive the hearts of the simple. You cannot be deceived by a fire-breathing dragon. It has to be something that fascinates and makes you feel good. Now, and laid, and that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him, you see, A, it's not there. There is no indefinite articles in the Greek. That didn't belong there. Bound him thousand years. It has to be two thousand because of one particular reason. Verse three. And cast him into the place of no knowledge, locked him away from the church. It's like if Israel's the church and it is, and this is us, Satan is locked away from the church. 
He's bound, Dio, forbidden. That's the same word as bind and bind and loose. Declared unlawful. It's declared unlawful for him to do something. And this stipulates that this is plural. Right here. And bound him thousand years, two thousand years. Has to be two thousand because what he is forbidden from. All right. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations. This is why he's bound. That he should deceive the Gentiles. The word nation and Gentile are the same word, ethnos. This has to be plural. Because he deceives the Gentiles, ethnos, no more. No more. No more means he has deceived the Gentiles. Where were the Gentiles deceived? I'm going to say this slow. I hope you can really grab a hold of this. Where were the Gentiles deceived? They were deceived from one end of the Old Testament to the other. And then the word, the truth was not open to them until Acts 2, where God pours out of his spirit on all flesh. And they were deceived from Adam all the way. They were in darkness. They did not know the truth. They were in the bottomless pit, place of no knowledge. Until Acts 2, until the time of Jesus' resurrection. Jesus, when he resurrected, he poured out of his spirit on all flesh, all men. And God would have all men be saved and all men will be saved, but not every individual. Remember, Synecdoche, S-Y-N-E-C, D-O-C-H-E. That is a word of the Hebrews. It means a part is the whole. A part is the whole. And God has got men out of every nation, tongue, and tribe. And in Revelation 7, he's got men from every nation on the earth. Red men, white men, black men, yellow men, brown men. That is all flesh. And God... The Gentiles were deceived back here. But when the 2,000 years has come, which it's been right at 2,000 years, we not our calendar is not exactly right, it's been right at 2,000 years since Acts 2. Acts 2 was approximately 33 A.D. because Jesus died at 33 years old. And some people want to argue 35 A.D. It doesn't matter. The point is, no later than 33 A.D. and 2,000 years from then would be 2033 A.D. Now, I'm not saying he's going to come in 2033. He might. I'm not naming dates. But the 2,000 years... The reason is 2,000. The only place you're going to find the Gentiles. I'm going to be real plain on this. 
if there were a pre-trib rapture, if there was a thousand-year reign after this is over, would have a problem. There is no thousand-year reign. There's no pre-trib rapture. And because there's no pre-trib rapture, the only time element where the thousand years or the two thousand years can apply is right here in our times. The Gentile elect church is not deceived. We're not deceived, are we? We're not. And the only place they can't be deceived, it's not a thousand year reign because I keep saying this. In Revelation 8, 9 and 10, you've got seven trumpets, seven angels with seven trumpets. And then the first the, the first four sounds in Revelation 8, then Revelation 9 and 1, you got the fifth one sounding. Revelation 9, further in the chapter, you got the sixth angel sounding. And then Revelation 10 and 7, you got the seventh, or the last trumpet sounding. Last, let me put this on the board. You got the last of seven trumpets sounding. Last of seven trumpets sounding. And when it sounds, the Bible says, when the seventh trumpet sounds, several things take place. The mystery of God is finished. Mystery of God is finished. Time is no more. When the last angel sounds, the mystery of God is finished, and according to Revelation 10 and 7, and Revelation 11 and 15, the kingdoms of this world, kingdoms of this world, this is a way of saying, are become the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Nobody's going to reign but Christ at the signing of the seventh trumpet. No one. And the last enemy that will be destroyed at the signing of the last trumpet will be death. Will be death. According to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. 1 Corinthians 15. The last enemy is death. And when he conquers all of his enemies, he's going to change our bodies. So the last of seven trumpets... When it sounds, the mystery of God, which is the New Testament Gentile church, is finished. There'll be no time anymore. There will not be a thousand years. The Bible says when he has one foot on the land and the other on the sea, time is no more. No thousand years. No seven years tribulation. No. The Bible says that, doesn't it? That's what it says. I don't know why preachers can't figure that out. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twink of an eye at the last trump. So when we're changed at the last trumpet, the seventh trumpet, the mystery of God is finished. Teleotes, T-E-L-E-I-O-S, teleos. It's complete. The last person has come into the fold and there's no more time. There's no thousand years. This is not a pre-trib rapture. There's not seven years of tribulation. When we're changed, it's the end. 
That's what the Bible says. Why can't preachers figure that out? I don't understand that. Do y'all understand that? Let me just read that real quick. 10 and 7. 10. Just read a little of this. This is an angel with a rainbow upon his head. That's Christ. I don't have time to go into it. And he cried with a loud voice, was when a lion roareth, and when he cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. When the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Set up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel, or Christ, which I saw stand up on the sin upon the earth, lifted up his hand to heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are therein, and the earth and the things that are therein, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer at the sounding of this seventh trump. No more time. There can't be a thousand years, can there? Is a thousand years time? Well, yes, it's time. There's no time after this. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound the mystery of God the church, according to Ephesians, the third chapter, Ephesians, the fifth chapter, is done. It's finished. It's completed. The last one is coming to fold, and there's no... We're going to be changed at the last trump, taken out to meet the Lord in the air at the last trump. I don't even understand. When the last trump said, there's no more time. Don't you guys get it? How simple is that? It's falling off a log, isn't it? You think God wrote a book like Revelation so it would be too hard for us to understand? Don't believe that. And as he declared to his servants the prophets. Now, I, I want to read a verse that I don't read often. Chapter 11, verse 15. All it does is repeat the seventh trumpet sounding. It's not talking about a different trump. Same seventh trump. And the seventh angel sounded, and there was great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That means Satan is not going to rise up at the end of a thousand years at a little season of Satan and reign at all. Is it? Doesn't it say that? It's what it says. He's not going to reign. And I'll give you a verse that goes with this. And the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, look at Philippians. I didn't mean to get this long on this. But Philippians 3. I've read this, and I've never had anybody comment on it. Read it many times. Philippians 3. All right. Um, that's Galatians. I won't find it Galatians. All right. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. I'm flipping away from it. Galatians, the third chapter. Now, keep in mind the time factor here. Speaking of Christ, in verse 21, Christ shall change our vile bodies when? At the last trump that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working. Energeo. E-N-E-R-G-E-O. What verse are you reading, Jim? Huh? What verse are you reading? 
uh, we're at the last verse, 21. Philippians 3. That Christ will change our vile bodies that it may be... When is he going to change us? At the last trump. Same thing when he, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, right? Same thing as Revelation eleven fifteen. He's going to overcome all of his enemies. Change our vile bodies that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. According to the working, the inner geo, E-N-E-R-G-E-O. E-N-E-R-G-E-O. We get our word energy from that. Energy. Ergon in. The working in us. According to the working whereby. Now notice this last phrase. The same operation. The word energeo means operation. The same operation whereby he is able to subdue all things to himself. I want to call your attention to when he subdues all things to himself is the same thing he says when he says in Revelation 11 and 15 the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ and he reigns forever and ever and Satan is not going to rise up at the end of a thousand years because there's no thousand years. Time is over at the sounding of the seventh trump. Did y'all get that? That's not even hard, is it? Not hard. Now, didn't mean to get all the way into this, but go back to, so when it says, he'll subdue all things to himself, he'll be Lord over everything. Well, he is Lord, but he'll subdue all his enemies, and that's going to be the kingdom of this world of becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. He reigns forever and ever. Satan won't rise up no thousand years, no, no a thousand. I don't understand the thousand years. What are we going to do? Be going along at the thousand year reign and all of a sudden God says, okay, the thousand years is up. Everybody shift gears. Let's go into heaven now. I don't even understand that kind of thinking. Then, 1 Corinthians 15. Keep in mind the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. He reigns forever and ever. Keep that. That's equal to he's able to subdue all things to himself, Right? Did y'all get that? It's the same thing. And then it's the same thing in 1 Corinthians 15. So the last thing he subdues is his last enemy, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 15. All right. 15, verse 26, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So when he changes our bodies, death is over, isn't it? That'll be at the last trump. Time is no more. There's no thousand years. This is not a pre-trib rapture because people are supposed to be died all through that tribulation period. They have made this complicated. You know that? But these so-called scholars like Hal Lindsey and Jack Van Wimpy and his plastic woman on the end of his panel, you know, they've made this all Silly and stupid. It's not hard when you look at it the way it is. There's no time after the last trump, is there? So if Satan is going to be forbidden, if there's no thousand years over here, and they were deceived all through the Old Testament, 
only one time period where the Gentiles can't be deceived, and we're in it right now. A 2,000-year period. That's not as hard as it looks, is it? I think I made it clear tonight, I hope. Y'all get a hold of that? Don't believe in this pre-trib rapture. Don't believe in... We're going to be changed at the last trump. Seven trumpets, Revelation 8, 9, and 10. Seventh one sounds, time is no more. When we're changed at the last trump, there's not going to be a tribulation period nor a thousand years, is there? I want you all to understand that. Do you get that? Now, so the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. So when, how can somebody be dying through a thousand? See, these people that preach a, a thousand year reign, they say, well, everybody comes out of the tribulation that doesn't have their new bodies. They're going to have to live in that thousand year reign with all these people that's got their new bodies. And you've got people with new bodies and people without bodies, and they're going to be dying through there. That makes no sense whatsoever, does it? You heard that, hadn't you? It's just dumb. It's not hard if you throw out everything you ever heard about from these preachers. Now, I've got to get back over to where I was going. So this is just to show this has to be... Let me say it one more time. From beginning to end, look here. From beginning to end, the Gentiles were deceived here, and they can't be deceived here, and there's no other time before or after those two periods right there. That's it. It's a simpler thing than people think. There's no preacher rapture. There's no thousand years. So therefore, the only place where Satan cannot deceive the Gentiles is during the time of the Gentile church, the predestinated elect of God during this period right here. That has to be a 2,000-year period in Revelation 20. Has to be. Now, we're talking about 1,260 days. What in the world is that? A time times and half a times. That's half 1260 days, if you have seven years, we're talking about a 360 day year of the Jews. Where in the world did that come from? I'll show you that. 776, 42, 4, and 73, 21, 25, 2520 days divided by 2 is 1260. 1260 days, half of seven years, one half of seven years on a Jewish calendar. The reason they have 360 days in their year, I'll show you that, okay? All right. We'll give it to you out of Mr. Mr. Now, we have 365 days in our year. 365 point, and that'll give you all of this. Uh, days in our in our calendar their calendar is 360 day year how is that going to balance out in the 70 weeks of Daniel I'll show you that okay now let me give you 
I was going to show you this. Uh, well, I had it out here. I was going to show it to you. If you go over to Genesis, the fourth chapter. No, not the fourth chapter. I'll get it right in a minute. Genesis. All right. Genesis, the seventh chapter. Go to Genesis, the seventh chapter. I've got to give you how they got their 360-day calendar, okay? It's kind of like the moon ruling the night. It's kind of like Paul saying, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness. What ruled the darkness was the moon in the first chapter of Genesis. And the men that ruled the darkness were the Babylonians because they worshipped the Lord Boone. Now, we're going over here to Genesis 7, verse 11. It's time of the flood. Genesis seven eleven. I'd like for you to see these things because they'll help you when you're studying. Now, this is where the Jews, by the way, remember in the first chapter of Genesis, uh, God would do some work and he'd say it was good and the evening and the morning were the first day. Remember that? The reason the Jews say their day begins at 6 o'clock or sundown in the evening is because the evening and the morning were the first day. And their day began at 6 and ended at 6 or sundown. Sundown. And that's why you have to know that to figure out which day of the week Jesus died. He died on a Friday. I'm not going to go into this because this is a long explanation. Now, look here in Genesis 7 and 11. I'll give you a few secrets along the way with this. 7, 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, 17th day of the month, second month, This is important to pay attention what 14th day or 17th day of the month, 17th day, day, 17th day, uh, the same day were the fountains of the great deep broken up. Now we are told that the Largest rivers in the world are underground. So what actually happened, the crust of the earth did like so. When it began to rain, they weren't knocking on the door. It went, boom, like that. These rivers underground would just, and Noah and the ark went on a tidal wave, probably five miles high. And those people, there was no chance to knock on the door and say, to let us in, Noah. All right. The fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were open, and rain was upon the earth. Rain, not flood, the rain. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights, but the flood was longer than that. Now, go over here to chapter 8 and verse 4. All right. 
And the ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. Seventh month, seventeenth day of the month. Seventh month. And the seventeenth day. And they, so far, they've been in the ark five months, haven't they? Five months with elephant manure and tiger manure and their own manure and no fresh air and one little bitty window in the top. Whoo! Was that a trial? Boy, I guess. A hundred and and the same period given in terms of days in the Seventh chapter, verse 24. And the waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days. And they were in the ark five months, weren't they? Two from seven is five. 150 days. 150 days. And these are the months. And five into 15 is 30. Come up with 30 days in the month. That's where that comes from. From the Jews is from Genesis. So they had 30 days in the month. Freedom 12 is 36, 360. So they had 360 days in their year. We'll have to reconcile that as we go through here. Thus the earliest known month used in biblical history was evidently 30 days. That's why they had 360 days in their calendar. 12 months would give us 360 day year. That's what it is. Now, does this have anything to do with the 70 weeks? Yeah, it has everything to do with it. And we'll get to that as we go. Now, all right, now let's go back. Where did these 1260 days come from? 1260 is exactly half of a 360 day year, seven years. 2,520 days divided by 2 is 1,260 days. That's three and a half years. That's what 1,260 days is. A time is one year, and every scholar will agree to this. A time times, a time is one year, times is two years, Two years and times a half a times is half a year. That's one year, two and a half or two years, a half a year, time times, half a times is three and a half years. Forty two months and any time you find these referred to, it'll refer to it forty two months. Time, times, and half a times are 1,260 days. They're all the same thing. They're one half of seven years. One half, seven years. Where does that come into the 70 weeks? It's everything in the 70 weeks of Daniel. That's what we're looking for. Now, let's go back to the 70 weeks in Daniel 9, 24. 
if you define everything, you'll find out what these things mean. But you've got to find everything. Now, and it's never occurred to most of these people that thousand can be plural. Thousand is actually a noun. That's funny. Thousand is a noun. Thousand, noun. 999 is an adjective. An adjective is which, what kind of, or how many. How many what? 999 years. Is it an old song, something about 999 or 2099 or something like that? That would be a number, an adjective telling how many. But thousand is a noun, just like dozen is a noun. Just like deer. The deer ran across the road. How many? One? Twenty. He caught the fish. How many? One fish or ten fish? When you use thousand, it has to have a determiner. And the only way you have a determiner, it will say the. And every time you see the in the Bible, it's there. If you see a, it is not there. It is never there. But the context will tell you, can tell you if it's a or an. Now, look over here in Daniel. We're going to look at this 1,260 days and see if we can find out something about that. All right, Daniel 9, 24. Daniel is crying out to the Lord all through Daniel 9, saying, Lord, how long are we going to be in this captivity? Daniel was carried away in the captivity into Babylon. It is believed that Daniel was carried away in what you call the second deportation. They were deported from Israel over to Babylon because Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he was the king of the Babylonian Empire, and at the time they were carried away, he was the ruler of the world. So he comes over there, and carries them to captivity. But he's got three of these deportations. One in 605 B.C. One in approximately 597-96 B.C. It doesn't matter about exactness. And then the one in 586 B.C. The one in 597 B.C., was a peaceful deportation. Peaceful. That's the one that Jehoiakim was carried away in. Right here. Jehoiakim. 597 says so right there. Jehoiakim, the son of Jehoiakim, 
who was the son of Josiah. Jehoahaz was the son of Josiah. Jehoiakim, K-I-M, was the son of Josiah. And Jehoiakim was the son of Jehoiakim. And then Zedekiah, also the son of Josiah, was the last king of Israel. So, these two were peaceful. And it is believed that Ezekiel and Daniel were carried away, probably very young men, maybe not old enough to preach yet, were carried away from Israel over to Babylon because of the time of Israel wickedness. And Daniel, when he's writing the book of Daniel, he's over here in Babylon. You've got to keep that in mind. So being in Babylon, 586 B.C. was when Nebuchadnezzar came in and leveled the city. They were so rebellious, they just would not bow to... Nebuchadnezzar had every right to do what he did because he was their savior, their mentor. All they had to do was pay him tribute for the privilege of living in his empire. The same thing we do when we pay taxes. So he can rescue them. So if anything happens and they get out of hand, he can come over here and straighten them out. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't the bad guy. Not when he carried him away. God had him to carry him away. So when he comes over to pick him up and carry him off, he brought he brought Daniel he brought he brought Ezekiel and Daniel in the same deportation that he deported Jehoiakim. So they're over here in Babylon. And Daniel is crying unto the Lord in this ninth chapter of Daniel. How long are we going to be here, Lord? We have sinned. He said, we. He didn't say they have sinned. He said, we have sinned. He was willing to even take the blame. That's the same thing Ezra said in the the 10th chapter of Ezra. Lord, we have sinned against you. They were willing to take the blame. Now, Daniel 12. All through this chapter, Daniel is depressed. I guess so. So God sends Gabriel, the angel of God. The, Gabriel is the announcing angel. You got two archangels that are very, arch means head. You got two head angels. You got Michael, and you got Gabriel. I like that name, Gabriel. I'd like to have a son named that. He's a great name. He was the announcing announcing angel. Announcing angel. He's the one that comes to Daniel, talks to him. He's the one that went to Mary and told her, The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. He's the one that went to her and said, You're going to have a son. So he was God's announcing angel, and Michael was God's death angel. You get in the way and God will turn Michael loose on you. And if you think you're tough, you're not tough at all. Because Michael went out in the 19th, the 18th and 19th chapter of 2 Kings and killed 185,000 men in one night by himself. Now, if you ever tried to, if you think you're good at karate, you're not this good. Not that good. 
He could zap you quick. But, you know, well, the funny thing is, the book of Jude says, he contended not with Satan over the body of Moses. He said, the Lord rebuked thee. He backed away from Satan even, Michael did. Satan has to be some kind of deceiver to cause Michael to back up and, and say, the Lord rebuke you. Amazing, isn't it? And you'll find that in the book of, I believe it's the Assumption of Moses. Um, or the book of Enoch. One, I believe it's the book of Enoch. Now, we're going to look at Daniel 9. So, we're looking at towards that three and a half year, the 1260 days. All right, I hope I get through this tonight. So all through here, let me read verse 1 and 2 of Daniel 9 first. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus was another name for Xerxes. X-E-R-X-E-S. In history. Xerxes was a monarch of the, of the Medes. Of the seed of the Medes, now Medes, just this is real simple, Medes and Persians was a dual empire. It was one empire ruled by both of them. But the Persians were the strongest. The Persians were the strongest. The Medes were the weaker. That's why in Daniel... Daniel 8, the Persian Mede Empire is represented as a, as a ram with a two-horned ram. One horn was longer than the other, or stronger than the other, and that was the Persians of the Medes. Now, Darius was a Mede. I've looked into this, and it's believed that these were the Kurds perhaps descendants of the Kurds, because they lived up here close to the Caucasus Mountains in the northern section of what we would call Iran. Now, the Kurds lived up there. They lived up there in that area. And the Kurds, I talked to a Kurdish man downtown at Farmer's Market, and I asked him, I said, do you have a nation? He said, yes. I said, do you have boundary lines? He said, no. Said we are just we live in northern Iran, we have a king, we have our own government, but we don't have a land. And it's believed that the Medes came from Europe of the European area and come here's France and and Spain and so forth in here, and came over here and intermarried with the ancient Persians, which were the ancient Iranians. Now, where was I? Let's read these first two verses. The first year of Darius, the, of Hazarus, the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. Chaldeans is another name for Babylonians. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books. Daniel has been reading books. What books is he reading? Jeremiah. That's what he's reading. The number of the years... Whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years 
in the desolations of Jerusalem. And here's what he's reading. Let's look over here in Jeremiah 25. Here's what he has to be reading because this is the only place you find in Jeremiah. There's two places in Jeremiah. Jeremiah the 25th chapter. Jeremiah 25. In verse 12. It shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon. 70 years. From 586 B.C. During that 70 years, you get to 516 B.C., that's 70 years. 516 is where the temple was completed. They were carried away in 586. The temple was completed in 516. That's where Nehemiah, not Nehemiah, that's where they finished the temple. Nehemiah built the city. And that's where they finished the temple in 516, 70 years. So 70 years had to be accomplished I will punish the king of Babylon. That nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity in the land of the Chaldeans, Babylon, will make it perpetual desolations, and I will bring upon that land all my words which I have pronounced against it, even all that is written in the book which Jeremiah hath prophesied against all the nations. Now look over here in Jeremiah 29. He's reading these words. That's what Daniel's reading. You're not going to find it anywhere else in Jeremiah. 29, Daniel tells, uh, excuse me, Jeremiah tells Israel, go to Babylon. You're going to be there 70 years. Why 70 years? You're going to be there 70 years. Well, let me read this. And He says, go to Babylon, the first part of chapter 29 of Jeremiah. Marry, have children. Plant vineyards and reap your crops. You're going to be there a long time. Seventy years. And then he says in verse 10. For thus saith the Lord that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon. I will visit you and perform my good word toward you. In causing you to return to this place. How's God going to cause them to return if they're being held captive under a no not a Babylonian system by the time you get 70 years later 580 I'll get it in a minute but in 585 BC or 685 what am I talking about I can't get this right 585 BC 586 B.C. I'll get it in a minute. I got too many things in my mind. 586 B.C. They were carried to Babylon by the Babylonians, but in 539, the Persian Mede Empire under Cyrus comes in and overthrows Babylon. And they become the bosses of the Persian Mede Empire comes in and overthrows Babylon and they're the ones that give the decrees to rebuild the temple, three of them, and to rebuild the city by Artaxerxes. Now, so, he says, God's going to accomplish 70 years, 
and I will visit you and perform my good word against you and causing you to return to this place. How is God going to cause them to return if they're in captivity? And how is that going to happen? That's right. And how and how does that come about? Huh? What? Well, uh, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. He came to the king's minds and put it in their minds, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, will Israel be delivered. He'll come to Cyrus's mind and make him think these things, send Israel back to rebuild the temple. He'll come to Darius's mind and say, re-establish Cyrus's decree. And then he'll come to Artaxerxes' mind and say, go over there and, and send supplies to Israel. And then he'll come to Artaxerxes' mind again and tell him, and Nehemiah will say, I want to go rebuild the city of my fathers and Artaxerxes will give him decree and he'll go back over and do that. It'll be by the power of God he comes to these kings in their minds. So when he says, I'll deliver you, he's talking about coming to the mind of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes. Now, let me give you a couple other verses. Go to Zechariah, the first chapter. Zechariah. First chapter, I'm not going to get to my 1260 days, I don't think. All right. Okay, Zechariah, the first chapter. In the first chapter, and Zechariah's crying out to the Lord. This is in 520 B.C., Zechariah and Haggai are partners. They preach to Israel and tell them to get back busy building the temple of God because they quit. They start building it in 538 B.C. because the decree was given, but two years later in 516 they quit building it. They get so much flack from a man named Tatnai. So they quit until 520, until this time of Zechariah right here. And he says here in, in verse 12, And the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long wilt thou not have mercy on Jerusalem? He's saying the same thing that Daniel's saying in Daniel 9. How long are we going to have to be over here in this persecution, in this Babylonian captivity? And, and on the cities of Judah against which thou hast indignation, these three score and ten years of score is 23 score is 60 plus 10 is 70. These 70 years. 70 years has everything to do with this. And then look over here in <laughs> Zechariah 7. Verse 5. Speak unto all the temple of the land and to the priests saying, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month even those 70 years did ye at all fast unto me even to me 70 years now go over here to second chronicles second chronicles 36 the whole reason they had to be in babylon for 20 years so the ground so the land could enjoy her Sabbaths. That's the way the Bible puts it over and over 
and over. The land has to enjoy her Sabbaths. There had to be a sabbatical year every seven years. And they had never done that for 490 years. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Every seven years, they had to let the land lie fallow. Fallow means don't plow it. Don't reap any harvest. Leave the land alone according to the 25th chapter of Leviticus. Yeah, they had to leave the land alone. I keep saying this. This was God's ecological system. He had an ecology for the land. You cannot grow any crop over and over and over in a spot every year without cultivating it, without having some kind of fertilizer on it. You go out into Kansas and Missouri or Nebraska and all those farmers out there, they cannot burn the ground up. They can't just suck the nutrients out of the ground. And that's what they did. It wasn't possible for them to go 490 years and have good crops. God said, I'll give you good crops if you obey me. I'll fill up your storehouses, your fields. You'll be rich in food. But you can't plant in that. Do I believe God explained that seventh year to them? No, I don't believe that. He just said, this is my law, do it. And they just plant every year and reap every year. And they said, we want our crops, and that's the way it is, and we don't care what you say, God. Moses, you gave us a bad law. And so they just plant every year, and they had 70 sets of these sabbatical years. That's why they have to go into Babylon. I always put it on the board like this. Here's the way I put it on the board. Like so. Now, why would they not want to do that? They thought God was cheating them and hurting them out of their crops. You want to do this just to be cruel? We will go find us some other fertility gods that will let us do what we want to do, and we won't have sabbatical years. That don't mean the land's not going to be drained of all of its nutrients. It's still going to be drained. You can find you another god, and that ain't going to help you. Crazy. So all the time they were a nation under kings. They had 70 sets of these sabbatical years that they never kept. God says, I'm going to have to move you over to Babylon for 70 years. That will be enough time for land to enjoy its Sabbaths and Restore the nutrients. I brought it out before. When Mount St. Helens erupted up there in Washington State outside of Seattle, the ashes was everywhere. Just It was uh, looked like a disaster. But if you go out there now, the ecologists will tell you this has been one of the best things for the land because all that ash came down and made the land rich. Now the greenery is just unbelievable out there. So when the land will sit there for 70 years, God says, then you'll be able to come back and be who you're supposed to be. And during that time period, there was given them three decrees by the Persian kings, Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, to come back and build the temple. Build the temple and to come back home. These 
these guys, Sarias, Darius, and Artaxerxes, everybody could have come back if they'd wanted to. Why didn't they want to? Well, huh? They were fat and sassy is what they were. Over in Babylon, they'd been released by the Babylonian kings. They were free. They owned land. They were rich in Babylon. Why would they want to go back to a wasteland and rebuild a city in the temple? It's flat. Ain't nothing there. Boy, you had to be really dedicated to God to go back and build the temple of God. We have to build this temple and follow the laws of God. Charity edifieth. Charity, agape, walking in God's commandments edifieth. 1 Corinthians 8 and 1. Agape, walking in God's commandments. This is agape that we walked after his commandments. 2 John 6, walking after commandments of God. And charity edifieth the same way they needed to go back over there. We have to... I'll get it in a minute. Edifieth. Edify is the word O-I-K-O-D-O-M-E-O. It's the same word as build. We have to go back and build the temple of God. Walking in God's commandments builds up the house of God. The house of God was the temple over there in Babylon. And now we are God's house. Oikos Domei. The house roof. When the roof was finished, the building was done. We have to build the temple of God. And that's walking in God's commandments. And that's the only way they could build up the temple of God over here. Follow God's commandments. But most of them wanted to stay over here in Babylon. Only less than 50,000 came back. 50,000 came back in that second chapter of, of Ezra. Ezra 2. Less than 50,000 came back when the decree was given that they could go back and build their temple. 50,000 when they had millions over there. They didn't want to come back to a wasteland and follow God's commandments. And here in the 36th chapter of Second Chronicles, Nebuchadnezzar comes in. This is in 586 B.C. He carries away all the vessels of the house of the Lord. How much time do I have, Mike? 24. 24. Gosh, I ain't going to get, I better hurry up. Verse 20, and them that had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon in 586. This is Nebuchadnezzar. Where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the king of Persia. That's going to be in 539 when he overthrows the Babylonian king. And to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths for 70 years. For as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill three score and ten years. A score is twenty, three scores sixty, and ten is seventy years. So they had to go back here, and he said, If you don't do that, if you don't do the things I tell you to do, and they didn't, they liked Babylon, they liked let us make us a name, they liked self. So he said, What I'm gonna do I'm going to measure out these 70 times 7. I'm going to measure it out this way. 
I'm going to give you 70 times 7 Israel to repent. This don't have just to do with literal Israel. It has to do with spiritual Israel. Now let's go back over to Daniel 9. Daniel 9. Nobody teaches on the 70 weeks of Daniel. I've never heard a preacher in my life preach on it. I've spent 55 years, 54 years, 64, 74, 84, 94, 2004, 2014, 50. I've been studying the 70 weeks of Daniel for 54 years. I never heard a preacher even address it. Now, back to Daniel 9. Daniel cries all through here, when are we going to get out of this situation? And verse 21, Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation and sacrifice. They had a bread offering every evening, along with a lamb. And he said it was the time of the evening oblation, somewhere about sundown. Gabriel come to me and he informed me. And he talked with me. Well, wouldn't that be something to have an angel of God come and talk to you? Whew. And said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for you're greatly beloved, Daniel. God loves you. He was even loved by the people of the land. Therefore, he certainly was loved by Darius. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks, seventy Shabua, seventy sevens are determined upon you. This is the seventy weeks or seventy sevens of Daniel. 490 years is determined upon your people Israel and upon thy holy city. The holy city is Heavenly Jerusalem, the church, that's us. Because literally literally Jerusalem was called Sodom and Egypt in the 11th chapter of Revelation. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, I'm not going to go through all these again, transgression of Baal and the Grove and Shemash and Molech and all those gods you worshipped, and to make an end of sins, all the... When these, I had a fellow, a Seventh-day Adventist one day said, you know what I think about the 70 weeks of Daniel? I said, I know a little bit. That's all I said to him. And he said, well, we believe, he was a Seventh-day Adventist, we believe that the uh, beginning of the 70 weeks of Daniel was the third decree. I said, it couldn't be the third decree. There's nothing in the third decree in the seventh chapter of Ezra about going back and rebuilding the temple. It was a place to supply the temple. And I said, come here a minute. And I opened my Bible and I said, look here at this. I said, these six things have to happen when the 70 weeks of Daniel fulfilled. He said, well, I'm going to have to take another look at that. <laughs> I guess you are. You're following Ellen G. White. You're following a false teacher. She said God came and revealed to her all of these wonderful spiritual things when she was 14 years old. Yeah, you believe that? I got some swampland in Louisiana I'd like to talk to you about. Seventy weeks are determined upon my people to finish the transgression of Israel, to make an end of their sins, to make reconciliation. Kafar is the word reconciliation. Same word as atonement. 
Same word as pitch, the ark within and without, with pitch. Same word as pitch, the first word pitch. To bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. We went through that either last week or the week before. Know therefore and understand. Here's how this is going to be measured out to your people, Daniel. That from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem, we already figured out. That's in Nehemiah, the second chapter. That's the fourth decree. Artaxerxes would not have given Nehemiah a letter to go and rebuild the city if there had already been a decree given because the laws of the Medes and Persians never altered. Once a decree was given, it was law for the entire time of the Persian Empire. And he couldn't have given his own decree to rebuild the city because he, the only way he could give it was that it hadn't been given. The only way Darius could give his decree in Daniel the 6th chapter was that to, re, to continue the building of the temple was to reaffirm Cyrus's decree because he couldn't give one if it was law already. That's like saying there's a 70 mile speed limit down here on the highway and the city hall is meeting to establish a 70 mile speed limit down there. They don't have to do that. It's already there. And that's the way the decrees of the Persians were. So when Nehemiah gets the letters from Artaxerxes in Nehemiah the second chapter, that's the beginning of the 70 weeks of Daniel. Not, the, not in the third decree, not in the second decree, not in the first decree. Some people try to make it the first decree. I'm going, good grief. Now, I'm trying to get to the 1260 days. Y'all have to forgive me. Let's read on. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince. Nehemiah the second chapter, that's restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince, which will be Jesus. Jesus coming in Jerusalem. Jesus will be seven weeks, three score, and two weeks. A score is 60. A three score is 60. A score is 20. Three to 20 is 60. 60. Seven plus two is sixty-nine weeks of years, four hundred and eighty-three years. We gotta have four ninety, don't we? Seventy times seven, seventy times seven, seventy times seven. So from this here to Jesus is sixty-nine of those seventy weeks. There's got to be another week at the end of time. And this will be, at the end of that, will be the last trump. That's what we're looking for. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something to start happening in the world. Now, let me give you one thing. I've given you Nehemiah the second chapter. Let's look at Messiah the Prince. Go over here to Luke 19. 
So from, from Nehemiah, the second chapter, when Artaxerxes gives Nehemiah the decree to rebuild the city, all the way to Luke 19. Luke 19, I've said this and I need to make it real clear. All right. Luke 19 and verse, Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. This is just four days before he's to be crucified as the Passover lamb. And he comes in Jerusalem. Luke 19. Let's read a little bit here. Read a little bit. In verse 37, When he was come nigh, even now, at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice and for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King. They're welcoming Jesus as the kings. He's the prince. A prince is one that sits at the right hand of a king until he receives his coronation. But instead of making him the king, they're crying over there in Matthew uh, 21, they're crying, Hosanna! Hosanna means God save the king. God save King Jesus. God save the king. A king, a prince is one who's beat crowned king. So from Nehemiah 2 to Luke 19, over here to Matthew 21. Look at Matthew 21. Matthew 21 and 5. Get it in a minute. 21. Here's Matthew's account. When they do nigh to Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage, means house of figs. In the Mount of Olives, they sent Jesus' two disciples, saying unto them, Go unto the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her loose. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the prophet, saying, This is in the book of Zechariah, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon the ass, the ass of a colt. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them and their clothes, and they set him thereon, and a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from trees and strawed them in the way. To straw palm trees before man means this is the king that is coming. And the multitudes that went before and that followed saying, Hosanna to David, son of David. God saved the son of David, Jesus the king of Israel. Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means God save the king. 
And if you go back over here to Luke 19, you can find this in John 12. Well, let's look at John 12. Do I have any time? Ah. John 12, 15. He says the same basic thing. John 12. So this is Messiah the Prince from Nehemiah 2 until this time is... It is... 483 years, 483 years, we're looking for the end of time, the division of the 70th week of Daniel's 70 weeks. Daniel's 70th week will be divided into a time, times, and half a times, or it will be 1260 days. Or it will be 42 months. They're all the same. And that's Daniel 9, 27. That in the middle of the week, this man of sin will cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. That don't mean a sacrifice in a literal temple. The sacrifice in us to give our bodies a living sacrifice. I believe that outlaw saying the things that I'm saying on TV, possibly on the Internet. It's going to get tough in the future, folks. It ain't going to be easy. I don't believe it's ever going to be as easy as it's been again. There will be great tribulation such as is not from the beginning, no, nor ever shall be. They're going to outlaw people like me. They think I'm crazy, and I'm not. And here in John, in John twelve fifteen, twelve fifteen, twelve fifteen. <clears throat> Jesus, when he will look at twelve twelve, on the next day, much people that were come to the feast. When they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth and met him and cried, Hosanna, blesses the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, set thereon as it is written. You say, why young ass? Every king had the ass of a colt, the colt of an ass. They were the most sure-footed animals. That's what you get on if you're going to ride down the... Grand Canyon or get on one of those mountain uh, donkeys out there out west, go up and down a mountain. They're the most sure-footed of animals. And that's why the king rode upon them, because they wouldn't fall. And they presented themselves in a humble manner, but that meant it was the king riding up on the colt of an ass. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, the king cometh sitting on the ass's colt. These things understand not his disciples at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, that they had done these things unto him. And people therefore was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him out of the dead. This is the same time. But let me just give you that in Zechariah. This is what they're talking about, the prophets said. Zechariah, I'm running out of time. I'll get to the 1260 days, which is going to be the 70th week divided into two parts. And the Bible tells us all about it. Zechariah, the last, next to the last book of the Old Testament, 
over here in in uh, Zechariah 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, upon the colt, the foal of an ass. That's the prophecy of Jesus right there. And he comes just like that, four days before the Passover, presented as the prince, Messiah the prince, and he's crucified as the Passover lamb. They reject him as the king. But he's coming back with crowns on his head in Revelation 19. He's going to be king of kings and lord of lords. And his eyes will be as a flame of fire. And he says, you're not going to reject me now. And when he comes back, he's going to be a mighty king. Now, do I have any time? Five minutes. Gosh. Let me give you where this time times and half a times is mentioned. I'll write it down. You can write it down. We'll cover it next week. It is the 70th week of Daniel's 70 weeks. The rest of them will fulfill here, Messiah the Prince. And then you've got a 2,000-year reign that we talked about earlier, which is not millennium. Millennium is mill annum. That is a bad translation. Mill annum. It means thousand years. Thousand years. That's not it. It's 2,000 years. The word is kilia. Forget mill annum. It's not there. Kilia. Here's where you're going to find the 1260 days. I'm going to just write it down for you. It's going to be the 70th week of Daniel. 70 week split in two. It's going to be the 27th verse of Daniel. The ninth chapter when the Bible says, and this man that comes during the middle of the week, the last 70 week of Daniel, 70 weeks, right in the middle at, at the 1260 day point, the 42 month point, the time, time and half a times point, He's going to cause the sacrifice, which is us, in the temple of God to cease. The sacrifice in the oblation. The oblation was the bread offering that was offered every day. Oblation. Was the bread offering. We being many are one bread and one body. And the sacrifice was the lamb. Every evening, every morning, approximately 6 o'clock or at sunup. And every evening at 6 o'clock or sundown. The sacrifice and the oblation will cease. We're the bread. The sacrifice that will cease in the middle of the week. They'll come up and say, people like you, Jim Brown, you cause trouble. And you call people down and you don't want to abide by our edict of toleration, our political correctness. So we're going to outlaw you. I, I don't doubt that there won't be some kind of amendment to the Constitution to stop people like me from talking. I'm saying things that nobody's saying. People are scared. They're frightened to say. I used to be. I'm just tired of it all. If you're going to shoot me, shoot straight. You're going to find in Daniel 9, 24, 25, and 27. 27. And then you're going to have Daniel 12 and 7, you're going to have time, times, and half the times.
then you're going to have in Daniel 12, 14, you're going to have time, times, and half of times. And you're going to have in, not Daniel 12, 14, Revelation 12, 14. Revelation 12, 14. Revelation 12 and 6. You're going to have 1,260 days. 1,260 days. This is why, because it's connected to 260 days and connected with the 70th week of Daniel's 70 weeks, and it's equal to 42 months, it has to be 1,000 has to be singular right there. That has to be a thousand because of the context. And then you're going to have Revelation 11.3. You're going to have 1,260 days. Revelation 11 and 2. 11 and 2. 42 months. And then Revelation 13 and 5, 42 months. And 42 months equals 1,260 days, 360 days from Genesis 7, 11 to 8, 3 and 4. And five months is 150 days on the Jewish calendar. And that's 30 days a month, and that's where we get the 360-day year. That's, is that fairly simple? Fairly simple. i got to go through much more of this. I don't. I'll come back and go through all these verses right here. Am I out of time? Oh, well, I kind of ended up just about right. I'll come back and we'll cover these next week. I believe we have to be close to the end of everything. I hope so. I would like for Jesus to come tonight. I don't believe he will because of things have to be fulfilled. They have Somebody has to come up and cause a sacrifice and the oblation to cease. It won't be in a literal temple. Anybody that's offered lambs in a literal temple, that will be an abomination to God. Jesus was the one lamb offered once for all. Then Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Cause us to understand that something's going on in the world. Your judgments are coming and they're on the way. I pray that it's soon. I'm really tired, Lord. You've got to help me. Give me strength. Lord, I don't want to fight no more. Just... You fight my battles, like David said, plead my cause. I just want to do your will the rest of my life and then come be with you. Cause us all to be content in everything that we're doing and lead us, like the song says, you lead us. We'll praise you for everything in Christ's name. Amen. Ooh. We'll come back to this. Mm. Does that help? It did. I'm looking forward to getting back to it. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, the reason I brought this up because you asked about it last week. Yeah, no, it's good now. I can see the. Kind of get the get a hold of it. Uh-huh. The part of what? I don't know why people can come up without a thousand year reign. It's so dumb. Yeah. Time is over. Time is no more, so there's no more thousand years. The kingdom of this world will become Christ, so Satan cannot reign. And can't he can't reign, reign in the millennium. And the, uh, the, so, last, the last enemy death 